Hey guys, so I am taking a short hiatus from the show to get some more great guests on the show and make sure that I have more great content to keep coming for you guys. But in the meantime, I'm going to be sharing with you my favorite episodes of the show so far, and this is definitely one of them. So enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, the show where we discuss everything there is to know about app development. I'm your host, Rob J, and in this episode, I chat with Jao Diaz, full-time indie developer and the man behind the legendary Android automation app, Tasker. We talk about why he started developing apps, quitting his job to earn a living as a full-time independent developer, how he monetizes his apps, dealing with negative reviews, working around OS restrictions, advice to aspiring developers on marketing their apps, and much, much more. Now on to the show. I love doing this podcast because everyone that I interview, including myself, are all technical people and we always have some sort of hiccup with video (laughs) or audio or, you know, stuff just freezes. So it's it's rather um we should know better, like right? A (laughs) hundred percent, yeah. But then also I feel like if it all went perfectly, then it just would not reflect technology in real life. So (laughs) exactly. And I just realized also that your voice is the voice on the join or at least one of the join promo videos, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I I was watching one of them today and I was trying to work out if it was your voice or if you'd got a voice actor, but I can tell now it was your voice. I've had like uh, three videos or two or three videos where I've hired a voice actor, but it's mostly me. Okay. So to jump straight into it. So I obviously am aware of you, like I messaged you ages ago because I was super excited to get people that I've done or that have built really successful quote unquote independent apps. Yeah. But before we get into kind of Tasker and join and all that kind of stuff, can you give me, because this is the one thing I haven't been able to find out yet, is can you give me and the listeners a brief kind of overview of how you got into app development and kind of what was your journey there? Okay, so I, I went to college, right? I had a, a degree in, in computer, um, I don't know how you say that in English, but like computer programming or computer engineering. Computer engineering. I think most degrees, at least in the UK, are computer science. So probably okay, equivalent science, to that. Yeah. And so uh, when I had my first programming, um, I had my first programming class, and then I got really excited about it because suddenly I could do stuff with computers that I've only seen other apps do. Like I open Windows, and there's an app there, and it can do stuff when I click on it. But I was never able to see the inside of them, so I got really excited, and then. I started, like, in, in the fourth year of my degree, I started doing my own app development. I started doing stuff for myself. So, for example, I I remember an app where I, I wanted to have a, an FTP server on my PC so I could easily send files to it. And then I I do, did that for myself. And then I thought, why not try to, to show the people this and see if they also find it useful? So I went to a forum, an online forum, and put the app there and that was my first time like interacting with users and people saying oh you should add this you should add that and suddenly that app was like a full-blown http server an nftp server and people were sharing files with with each other on it and stuff nice was, was that a windows app was that yeah a windows app yeah and and how long ago are we talking oh, that was like 15 years ago maybe <laughs> And and then I and then I started doing other stuff. For example, I was really into games at the time. I still am a bit, but not that much. But at the time, I was really into Xbox and the achievements on Xbox. 
And so I did a whole website where, where it would uh, aggregate all the achievements for users that would sign up and then show statistics like how many, how much percentage each, each user unlocked for each game and so on. So a whole website like that and more people signed up. And so I had a bunch of these experiences of doing stuff that I like for myself and sharing them with people and people start getting into it a bit. And this is all for Windows. Nothing. There were no smartphones at the time, so. And was was this hobby stuff, or were, were you? Yeah, only only hobby stuff. Yeah. And then years later, my wife actually gave me a phone, <laughs> my first smartphone. It was a Galaxy S2. And then she said, "Well, let's get rich. You can do apps on this now." <laughs> <laughs> and then I started doing stuff for myself again. There was this podcast that I like to listen to. And so I did an app that just, there, there was no podcast feed for that pocket. So it, it was like single audio files that, that, that people would, uh, publish on their website. So I did a little app to, to scrape, scrape that website and, and download stuff automatically. And I did that for myself. I didn't put that anywhere because I didn't, it was for Portuguese stuff. So I didn't think people would like it. And then, and then I did my first app that I put on Google Play. What was the first one? Yeah, it was called FS Intense. It was a really bad name choice. <laughs> it was it was an app for Foursquare. You remember that? Yeah. So it was a, an app to automatically um, sign in or check in to to places. Oh, it was already a Tasker um, plugin. So, for example, with Tasker, you would set it up that when you got into a place in your certain place, it would automatically check you in on Foursquare. So that was my first app, and it was terrible and very ugly but <laughs> people liked it so that was the start of it all right cool so i'm just kind of interested like what were you doing in terms of work between finishing university and getting your degree and you're building all this stuff in your spare time and then for work are you doing programming stuff or something else yeah i always did programming stuff for work as well and i was doing this stuff on my spare time and it was only like maybe seven years into my work career that I was able to make enough money on my apps to to leave work altogether and just focus on the apps. All right. So if we kind of jump into there. So seven years ago, you were able to basically start working full time for yourself on your own apps, right? So what was or what were the apps at the time that were kind of essentially providing you your income? Yeah. So it was all Tasker plugins. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There were no standalone apps. Yeah, because I was going to say, because I looked on your website and like I knew that you'd written Tasker plugins, but from your website, it seems like there was a lot, like you wrote a lot of Tasker plugins. (laughs) Yeah, I have uh, over 20 of them. All right. So I guess the question is, and I I assume I know the answer to this, which is why did you start making Tasker plugins? Because I wanted to use them. (laughs) Okay, perfect. That's what I thought the answer was going to be, but I figured I'd just ask just in case. Basically, every app that I develop is stuff that I want to use for myself. And then I figure, well, other people will surely like this as well. And there are so many people out there in the world. There there at least one other person likes this app. It's it's useful. So I put it out there. And it turns out a lot of people like the app. So (laughs) that was cool. So all of the plugins that you made were basically just to fulfill your own personal need. Yeah, until a certain point. Of course, people started requesting stuff that I wouldn't use myself, but I saw that, that it had potential for many people to use, so I, I do those as well. But mainly I like to do stuff that I use myself, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me too. Basically, all the stuff that I've ever built 
has only been for myself, which is the reason why my apps don't support my lifestyle and yours <laughs> do is because mine are just like, they're just for me. But did you put them on Google Play as well? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have some, well, most of the apps I have are free. I have one app that makes some income. It would be enough to cover like my coffee habit for a month. Um, <laughs> but that's essentially it. But that's, that's kind of um, an interesting question because that's what I wanted to ask you. So you've, you've released like how many Tasker plugins did you have? out at the time when you were like okay i can i can quit my job uh i'm not sure but about like 10 or so but only like three were big the other one was just like stuff i i i like and they were, they were useful but not that many people use them okay so so in terms of the three that were big because this is one of the things that i'm really interested in right is so back in the day and you'll you'll remember this where you used to have apps where you used to have a free version of an app and then you used to have a paid version of an app yeah or you used to have like that. um like a separate app that was like the unlocker so you buy yeah. the unlocker and so it was always like you had to have at least two different apps to get the pro or paid or whatever you want to call it version and then eventually iaps came in and now you can subscribe to apps or you can purchase inside the app to unlock features right so how did you go about your pricing strategy in terms of like subscriptions versus like a one-time payment and how has that or has it evolved over time yeah that that's a really long story in my case <laughs> I, I went through all of those options first i had uh, two separate apps for each app so for example there was no unlocker it was like a full a light app light version of the app and then the full version of the app and but they were both full apps so then i figured yeah i should maybe probably don't have two full, full version of the app that i always have to update on each update maybe i should do an unlocker so i did that i also started learning more apis and communications between apps and stuff so i was able to do that so i i did unlockers and then, as you said, yeah, in-app purchases started appearing. But the funny thing is I implemented those and people, a majority of people started becoming suspicious of those. So for some reason, people think that those uh, purchases don't carry over to with their account. So they think that if they install the app on other devices, that the purchase won't count. And so I don't know why this is, why where this comes from. But yeah, people just started disliking in-app purchases. So I did those that for a few apps, but then I stopped doing it. And then ultimately, my final um, my final solution, which is what what I have now with the plugins, is have an an unlocker that unlocks all the apps. So instead of having one unlocker for each app, I have one central unlocker, and that unlocks all the apps. And for some reason, people are not as suspicious as, as with uh, in-app purchases because that is explicitly an unlocker, which uh, which still functions with in-app purchases. But for some reason, people don't dislike that as much, so I stuck with that for now. And it's also the less confusing way to do it because you don't have to install as many apps. And, and yeah, it's the best way. Okay, so so... A couple of questions about that. I, I totally agree that the subscription thing, I remember when it came out, um, not even subscription, but like IAPs just being suspicious. And Do I you feel know like, why that is? No, I don't know why. I, I would, I would, um, guess that it was probably kind of a miscommunication thing where it was just introduced. And I guess us as developers and probably Google as a whole didn't make it very explicit that when you purchase something as an IAP, it's attached to your account as opposed to it's just attached to this one install of the app. Like potentially that's why people feel more comfortable buying an unlocker because it's very obvious that they're paying for a specific app 
that they would expect to transfer across. That would that would be my guess. I don't know for sure, but I I have a suspicion that it's because at first in-app purchases were used to unlock stuff in games, like uh, buy buy money in games and buy stuff in games, and those are those they're not transfer like they're, they they go away as soon as you buy them. So maybe people associate in-app purchases with those. I don't know. Yeah, potentially they might just all assume that they were consumable. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that that would make sense. So so your unlocker that you have now is that one unlocker, and you can unlock different tasker plugins, or is it one unlocker that unlocks all the plugins with one purchase? You can unlock each plugin separately. So you install the app, and you have a screen with all the plugins, and you can like you have links for each app, and when you have the app installed, you can click each one and unlock it. If you want to support developer me a bit more, you can do a subscription. And it, it will unlock all the plugins at once, but it will only be active when uh, while the subscription is active. Gotcha. So, so are the individual ones are they one-time purchase then? Yeah, yeah, they are. Oh, okay. All right, cool. That's really interesting. So you didn't go with, you didn't go with a subscription model for all of them. No, no. The the subscription model is totally optional. If yeah, you can do one or the other. That's yeah. That's really interesting because I've been experimenting recently with one-time subscription versus like yearly and monthly and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I find I find that stuff really interesting. I just want to say that um, people for some reason assume that the the unlocker is a subscription-based unlocker. Don't know why, but I always make it very clear that you can purchase the apps individually. But m- many people are also assume that. It's a, also always a subscription-based. I don't know why. Interesting, interesting. So then the other question that I had, which kind of popped into my head, is so you have like all these Tasker plugins and then you have your Unlocker app, which, you know, lets people get the whole version of each plugin or, you know, pick and choose. But then if you just have one Unlocker, do you find any issues with piracy and how do you approach that? Or, you know, do you, is it just like it's too small of an issue to worry about? I, th- I think that, it actually works well with piracy because there aren't that many apps that use in-app purchases in one app to unlock a feature in another app. So it's not a very uh, use, used model. So I don't think there are many crackers and patches and stuff that, that uh, support the, this kind of model. And I've seen people say, like, uh, that, like for example, you know Lucky Patcher? Yeah. Yeah, so they use that and then after a few days it stops working and they don't know why <laughs> and i have people complain about that and, you've uh, had people complain that yeah <laughs> the, that's crazy yeah that's that's actually really funny yeah sometimes i get emails like uh why isn't this feature working and then uh, i can tell by their package name or something that it's a cracked app and I ask them are you using the cracked version and they say yeah and you expect me to <laughs> support they, the they want support version. for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. All right. I guess that answers the question then is that is a kind of unique approach to take in terms of yeah. piracy because you have one app that has IAPs to unlock other apps. Yeah. So it's not it's not like you can just patch the unlocker and suddenly all of them start working. Yeah. That's really interesting. So then if we skip forward a little bit. So I was reading and I don't know how many years ago this was that the developer of Tasker essentially handed you over the app. So how how did that come about and and what was that kind of process like? So uh, I can't talk about numbers because he asked me not to. But uh but the process was basically one day I was uh, with my family and got an email and he was saying that you couldn't continue uh, developing Tasker because of uh, health conditions and then he wanted to ask me if I want to purchase it and get get the app for myself so I could continue working on it. And at first it was hard because I couldn't afford it, 
but then I put my money on the line <laughs> and basically thought, well, it's, a, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, right? I can't waste this. This is why I got in... Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell about that. This is why I got into programming, in, uh, to programming in Android in the first place. It's because when I first got my phone, the first app I bought was Tasker. And it was like a dream come true for me because I could make the phone do whatever I wanted. And, and, and when I started seeing that there are some things that I can do with Tasker alone, then I started doing the plugins. And so, uh, waste the opportunity to get Tasker as a whole and <laughs> do st program stuff on it. It would be just too much to lose. So I had to take it. Awesome. Okay. So then for people that are listening that aren't familiar with Tasker, can you just give us a brief overview of what it is and what it does? So uh, Tasker is basically, if people maybe know this, the, the IFTTT service, you you set up a condition. For example, you can be, if the condition can be, if you're at home, then maybe you'd like your phone to be always, to have a lower uh, a ringer volume, for example. And you do that every day by your, uh, manually, right? You go into your phone and set the ringer volume down. And with Tasker, you just say, if you're at home, set the ringer volume to two, for example. And so every time you get home, that happens automatically. And this at home condition it can be any condition that the phone can uh, detect. So it can be you're at home or uh, the time is uh, 3, 3 p.m., or it can be uh, the, the device is standing uh, vertically or is horizontally, or uh, you've pushed a button on some device, anything really. And the actions can be the ringer volume, as I said, but also one of the other like 300 or 400 actions I have right now. So it's really powerful to combine like hundreds of conditions with hundreds of actions. You have potentially millions of <laughs> different uh, profiles you can do. So I, I want to ask about what you use it for, but before we get to that, so you mentioned like it, it can do all these different things. Like is the, is the phone standing vertically, then do this. If you're at home, do this. Um, and, you know, maybe if you set the ring of volume to this, do something else. But the question that I have is so specifically with Android and specifically as we're creeping up in Android numbers and letters and stuff, permissions and security gets more restrictive so like when you and i started working on android apps it was kind of you could do anything you want right you didn't even yeah. you just put the permission in your manifest and if the user installs the app the permission's there and you can do what you want and then it gradually over time started getting more restrictive so you know for example you used to be able to find out like an imei number and then suddenly you couldn't do that anymore and it would give you a random one and then suddenly it would give you you know, a blank one, or it would just fail if you, and all these kind of things. So how do you approach that with Tasker when it's so kind of reliant on a lot of the things that it does to be available in the Android system? Well, I, I always try to find uh, workarounds for situations, but sometimes it's hard, you know. For example, um, just a few days ago, I, I made the target API for the app uh, to be 29, which is Android 10. And as you may know, apps have to have target API 29.2 to be updatable starting November. So when I did that, <laughs> all hell broke loose because a lot of stuff stopped working. For example, something so basic as toggling your Wi-Fi is now not possible. So what I did, I created uh, an app that's not on Google Play which I, I link to on my Reddit post, for example, when I do new releases. 
and and people can download it from from my website and that app targets uh, an older API so it can still do all this stuff right gotcha so they can essentially sideload a version that still works it's not a version it's like a, a mini plugin that doesn't even appear anywhere oh, I see okay so so it's kind of like your app will, so tasker will talk to that plugin app which would then have the permissions to be able to do it's, stuff. It's not there. really even a, pu- a plugin. It's just like a service that receives commands and then does stuff and, and says if it says back to Tasker if it worked or not. So, for example, Wi-Fi, uh, you can do it really simply in code, right? It's like two lines of code. I just put that in that extra app, and when Tasker wants to toggle Wi-Fi, it just calls that app and does that. Brilliant. Okay. How long did it take you to come up with that solution for that problem? I've had this app for a while now because there was this uh, other functionality, which is the display size, where it can change the DPI of your screen. That stopped working with, I don't know, API 27, perhaps. And I did that at a time for just that that one. But I now that, that I've, I've moved to API 29, I have to do that for a lot more stuff. But the tricky part is I can't link to that app, to that uh, other app and inside Tasker because that would be against uh, Google Play rules. So I have to send people to forums and stuff to, to see if they can find it somehow. <laughs> I, I can't direct, I can't even uh, put a link directly to it. Like uh, go to this page and then try to download the, That's I can crazy. do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, gotcha. I, I have to, to leave people guessing. Uh, so much that I, that I'm, that I'm considering not even doing that because I can see the, the flood of, of one star reviews saying that the app is now garbage because previously it worked and now the, their system wasn't even updated and now it doesn't work. So it's, it's a bit crazy because I don't know if you have this impression, but Google's always seems to forget that, that are, there exist automation apps. And that is, uh, it's a factor that, that people like, uh, Android better than iOS, for example. On iOS, you have that shortcuts app. Don't know if you know that. Uh, no, not familiar. No. So it's like a, a tasker, but you can't do um, that many conditions. You have to always trigger stuff manually. Like you, you can't have a, a stuff like when you connect to this Wi-Fi network and turn the sound off. You can't do that automatically. At least the last time I tried, it it, it just shows up a, sh- a notification. Shows up. You don't have to click that. So it defeats the purpose of automation for me. I, I actually try to have an iPhone like as a main uh, phone for like two weeks. I can get past the first week. <laughs> it was really frustrating. What, as I was saying, Google, Google doesn't seem to care about much about automations, automation apps until people point it out directly to them. For example, so uh, a while ago, Google uh, said that apps that want to use SMS and call permissions would have to, to, to ask them uh, very nicely if they could let the app use it and only apps that which uh, sole purpose is or which main purpose is to to do calls and, and, and send SMS then only those apps could use those permissions so I had to to have a, a, a video conference with with this lady on in Google and talk to her about it and why it was important for automation apps to be able to do that and they added that exception but th- this time, for for example, for Wi-Fi, they didn't want to have that conversation. So now I have to use these uh, these workarounds. Yeah, I, I find it kind of cool that you actually got to talk to someone in Google because in all my dealings with the Play Store and like 
apps getting pulled because they're in violation of something and then when you message them they're like oh sorry nope it wasn't in violation it's fine yeah like you never really get to talk to anybody so so that's kind of cool but yeah i remember that one because it impacted one of my apps as well so i have an app that reads like if you get a, a text message it will read it to you and then it will ask you if you want to reply and it will capture your voice reply and it will send it and then suddenly you can't send it anymore because you're not the primary sms app and did you did, were you able to get around it? So I, I I think there was like a form that you could apply for exceptions, um, and I applied and it got rejected twice. So the the way that I got around it was basically instead of using the SMS APIs, my app was already using notification listener for like WhatsApp and stuff like that. So I basically just transitioned that to use that for SMS as well, and then it would reply using the the intent inside the notification. Yeah. So so like it still works, and in in an, in a way, it's kind of easier for me because because I don't have to maintain this whole SMS section. It will just work like a normal app. But um, it is it's kind of frustrating when they introduce things that break some apps fundamentally. And they like they, they it's, it's like what you said. I feel like they have no concept that that's going to happen. And then when they're notified, like, oh, this is a problem, they're just a lot of the time kind of stick to their guns. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to carry on with this direction. So, so a, re- a really ridiculous one for me was the clipboard permission stuff. So they, I don't know if you, if you saw the, um, issue tracker, uh, thread where they talk about it, where, where the, where the, the issue was raised. And they keep saying repeatedly that it's, it's by design. They don't want, um, permission fatigue, as they say it, when there are already like 2000 permissions you can accept in Android. So you can't add one for a clipboard, which is like basic functionality that a lot of apps use. And, and, and another thing, the clipboard was able to be accessed until like, Android uh, 10, yeah, Android 10, without any permission. So any app could listen to your clipboard at any time without the user knowing. And then suddenly it's a forbidden permission that no app can use. Yeah, I would, I would love to speak to the team that's in charge of what permissions go in, into the next Android release and stuff like that. Because I, I would just love to know how they make that decision-making process. So it's interesting that you bring up uh, bring up your app. So it's, you're, you're also into automation, I see. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's only the one app and I'm pretty sure, although, although to be fair, I haven't used Tasker for a while. Um, but when I was using it, I, I did build a plugin into my app so that you could oh, nice. automate to turn it on and off with Tasker. But in, in all honesty, if anyone's listening to this and they use Tasker and they use my app, then someone's going to have to tell me if it still works because I, <laughs> I have not, I have not tested it in a while. But yeah, it's not like it's the only app that I have that's kind of. Well, it is automated and it only does one thing. But again, I built that because I wanted it and I maintain it because I still use it. So yeah, I've, I've had, I've had some run-ins with like the Google permission stuff and things like, um, so for example, mine also does, you can say, you know, I'm at home on my home Wi-Fi. So if I get a message, read it to me. And you know, if I'm on my work Wi-Fi, don't read it. Or if I'm connected to a specific Bluetooth device, um, and then they change all the permissions around that. So suddenly it's like, you used to be able to get a list of all the Wi-Fi networks. And yeah. now I think you can only see the Wi-Fi network that the user is connected to. Now you, you have to have the location permission. If you have that, you can see the networks again. That's the other thing, right? Is so they also make these permissions really confusing for users because I remember like before notification listener, if I wanted to get my app to read a WhatsApp message, it needed to have, um, access to the accessibility service 
service and that had access essentially when you turn that on you had access to so much so many things yeah yeah and you have to try and explain to a user because it used to come up with this really terrifying message like you know if you turn on this service this app will have access to all your information blah 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 and you have to explain to a user yes i have access to all that stuff but no i'm not using it and there's no granular permission i can use and they have to trust you yeah exactly and now it's the same thing it's like all i want to do is find out what wi-fi connection you're into like you're connected to but in order for me to do that i need to have a location permission and so now i have to explain to you that yes i have access to your location but i don't want it It, they just make it so confusing when it could be so much easier it's like you know there's even permissions for wi-fi there's like three different ones i think so surely one of them they could have piggybacked on it was like (laughs) if you have this permission you can see what wi-fi network you're on i I understand why they did that because as as a developer of course because when you have access to wi-fi networks around you there are ways to get your location from those right google does it as well but a user won't know that as of course and yeah it's it's really bad that all the developers have to to explain that to users why why can't they like do it centrally if if that was built into android like this app wants to know uh which wi-fi networks there are they can know your location but they probably won't use are they can use it if they want to or or they could get they should explain it themselves, right? Exactly. Or they could get a bit more creative and they could be like, right, well, if nowhere in this app is, is the app, look, like, is the app calling location manager, then we can tell the user this app wants access to your Wi-Fi network. And they, like, from that, they could kind of guesstimate your position. But like, yeah, they should definitely make it clearer. Cause you know, somebody's trying to use my app. They click on the button that says create a Wi-Fi profile and they get a pop up saying, I want to know where you are. And it, it makes zero sense. Yeah, I've had to add to add warnings all over the app just for those cases where permissions don't make sense. For example, <laughs> there's a permission to there's a, a function to end the call, and do you know what permission you need? The permission to make calls. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's yeah. So some some somebody's going to go into your app and say, you know, if this happens, then end the call, and then they get a pop up saying we want to be able to make calls. Yeah. <laughs> So move, moving on past the permissions round, you, so you, you mentioned, you know, what Tasker can do and things like that. So in terms of how you use Tasker, because you mentioned that you use it, what are some of the kind of routines that you use in your day-to-day life? Okay, so as I said before, the most important one for me, believe it or not, is not having to touch my phone that often. <laughs> so I just I just leave it on, and at night it will be silence. It, it will have a... a the darker screen so it doesn't hurt my eyes that much it will be a uh, black and white because because of the colors uh, not be as forceful and then i have a button that that turns on uh, turns off the lights in my house and it also puts my phone into airplane mode so i can take it to bed without without any concerns of radiations and stuff and then when the alarm rings it, it uh, shows uh, some some stuff that i always check when i wake up and then when it's time to leave, I, I press another button and it tells me the, the weather and where my car is parked and uh, sets the sound to, to this volume. <laughs> and then um, the, the best part about it is it can combine several conditions. So, for example, if it's at night but I'm not at home, the phone's uh, sound will be set to max because when I'm on the street, I want to, to be able to listen to the ringer, for example. And so this is the, the stuff I use the most is the stuff that allows me to not to use the phone at all. So it all happens automatically. Okay, so so you have to touch your phone very little. Yeah, <laughs> I, I only basically use it to browse Reddit, <laughs> not much more. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. All right, so going back to 
you know, the users, like trying to communicate with the users that you need this permission. And then you have this issue where, you know, a user now has to go and find out for themselves that they have to download a different app for your app to still work, things like that. Now, how, how do you go about, because I imagine, like, I don't know how many users you have, and I don't know if you want to disclose that number or not, so it's up to you, but I imagine you have a big volume of users. So yeah. how how do you manage, you know, support emails and feature requests and bug tickets and all of that kind of thing at that large scale? It, it's, it's surprising, but it takes up about uh, half of my workday. Each day in the morning, I reply to all the emails. I have, like... I don't know, 150 daily ones. Uh, some of them are easy to, to respond, just like a one-liner. Or I even uh, <laughs> I even made a, an app for myself uh, in C Sharp on Windows where I have a bunch of buttons I can click so I have predetermined responses. Nice. With <laughs> with uh, placeholders. So, for example, if someone uh, asks me why this app is doing this, I have a placeholder that asks them to to get some logs and I can input the name of the app there so it's all nice and ready to to reply so I have this this assistant app of mine that helps me a lot but yeah I get all of those emails daily and I try to get rid of them, of them in the morning so I have the afternoon to to program and if I could get rid of all the emails and not have to respond to them I'll be honest <laughs> I would <laughs> it's really a drag it's like the worst part of the job for me of course, there are people that um, that I like to talk to and and respond and to get interesting stuff done. Uh, so the the way I manage this is is um, yeah, I try to to get rid of the email as soon as I can, so I can do the stuff I really like. And and, and I, over time, I've I've come to realize that people uh, really enjoy having all of these uh, personalized responses, and and a lot of times they they acknowledge that that is a deciding factor that they want to keep tasker is because I'm always available to help people out. Yeah, likewise. I, I found I found that with users, like they're always very impressed if they get a response from the actual developer and it's not a canned response. So yeah. So then I guess the other question I had on that is, so you probably get a lot of feature requests. So how do you figure out what is the next either plugin or you know, different function inside Tasker or, or with any of your other apps? Like, how, how do you figure out what's the next thing to build? I have a bunch of, of uh, levels I go through. So level, first level is what I want to, <laughs> to have in the app. That's the most important stuff. <laughs> so if, if I want to have something in the app, I, I'll, I won't rest until I, I've, I've added it. So the second level is, uh, for example, when a new feature comes out, it's always really, really um, easy to wow people with uh, basic stuff, even if it's really basic, but it uses that new feature that you just got on your phone. So, for example, not long ago, m- uh, many Android phones were upgraded to Android 11, and uh, there's the new power menu screen where you, when you long-click the power button, you get a new screen with, with a bunch of buttons. So I've added the ability to add tasker buttons there so you can perform your tasks from there. And, for example... I, I did a, an example one where you create a, a button to take a screenshot of your screen because that button was missing and it is missing in Android 11 and it was there previously on in previous versions. So people really like to have that button back and so that got a lot of traction. Yeah, that's a good deciding factor is if it's a new feature, people will generally like it and so it's, it's nice to have websites talking about and such. And so... The, the other level is like I have a, a website that people can submit ideas to and then different people will vote on it and 
the, the ones with mo most votes will come out on top, right? So from time to time, I look at that and see which are the most requested features, which have the most interest, and go through them and try to implement those. And then uh, uh, lastly, I've, I've, I've also developed a feeling about when, a fe when someone um, mentions a feature that does Tasker doesn't have, I have like a feeling that I, okay, I think this will work well. And then uh, if I get that feeling, I, I will try to implement it. And sometimes it fails, but yeah, sometimes it works. Okay, cool. So you have a system in place to figure figure out. It's not just kind of you built everything that everybody requests. No, that would be impossible. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So you know, so you you have Tasker. You also have Join. So then my question is, Tasker. I guess before you got it, it was obviously a very established app, right? But you obviously had all these plugins that you were built, like that you'd built for it, and you had three plugins that you said you know they were the big ones that were kind of allowing you to quit your job. And then you've got Join. So how did you go about? marketing or how do you go about marketing Tasker or join or the plugins now because in terms of releasing apps you know there's loads of app developers listening right now and they could go out and they could build an app today and they could release it tomorrow and they would get zero downloads so so how do you go about kind of promoting and marketing and getting new users coming through your app I was kind of lucky because at the start when I did the FS intense app I mentioned I mentioned I would go to like the Tasker forum and look for people that, that had questions about doing stuff in, in Foursquare. There were not that many people, but okay. So I went there and started, oh, you, you know this new app? It, it can do that and stuff. So it started getting a bit, a lot, a little bit of traction from that. And then when I started doing new apps, people already knew about the, the other one I had made, I had made. So people started knowing my name, but just in, in the small tasker community, right? Not like globally. And then I was able, yeah, I, I remember what the, the, the click was. You know, auto voice. I have a plugin called auto voice, which allows you to do uh, voice commands to control tasker. And then there was this guy that made a video, uh, a home automation video that used auto voice to do all of these amazing things in his home. And the video got like, I don't know, 4,000, 400,000 views or something. And on that month, my, my income like doubled <laughs> from, <laughs> from the previous month. So from then on, the app got a, a little more known. And then, oh, uh, I would also email, um, app, uh, sites like, uh, Android Police and stuff and, and tell them about my new apps. And sometimes they would, they would publish it in like, but since I got a bit, uh, big at the time, then I could simply use my existing apps to let other people know about new apps. For example, that was one of the reasons I, I did the, the unlocker app is because when people open it, they can see that there are all, all these other apps that can get. So they automatically know about all of them just by getting one of them. And then uh, once I got uh, big enough, the websites would just publish stories whenever I did a new update. So it's like self-conserving self in that way. And also because I also have existing users, whenever I new, a, do a new app, I just I simply tell those users, well, here's a new app, and that app gets automatically uh, a lot of views. So it's it's really a lucky position to be in. Well, I already have a bunch of people following me, so it's really easy to to let them know about new stuff. But in the beginning, yeah, it's just like going to forums and talking to people about my apps and hoping that people start using them. <laughs> it's not much more than that. All right. So then that leads me nicely onto my next question, which is what advice would you give to someone who is an independent app developer that's building an app or they've just, you know, they've just built and released an app today in terms of getting it in front of users? I think the most important part is 
is what you did, which is develop apps that you like to use. Because when you do that, the apps will be that much better. If you do stuff that you think people will use, you and you don't have any any interest in it, you won't you won't be able to do it as as good as if you really like like what you're doing. Because it, it will be it will be really detailed and really have all of the things that like the niche things that you like and probably other people like as well. And they will be really distinguished by that by having really all those little details that other apps don't have. So my biggest advice is do stuff that you like and then find people that like the same stuff that you like <laughs> and hopefully it will work. I mean, I would totally agree with that point. And I would also say the benefit of building apps that you want to use yourself is that you are more inclined to maintain them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because stuff, yeah. like you said, with different Android versions and I'm sure with iOS versions and stuff, things break. And if you're not using the app, you might not care that much, but your users definitely will. Or you might not even notice that's that's been my account of some of the apps that I've built before where, you know, I built it to do one thing. And then I add all these other functions on top that I don't use. And then at some point I get an email from someone being like, you know, this thing doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, well, I have no idea because I don't use that feature. <laughs> yeah. And people say like, why don't you care about your app? This stuff yeah. is all broken. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's all broken is, is the favorite email yeah. um, slash review that I get. Those ones. And then also like the one word reviews that you get, they just say, you know, <laughs> yeah. trash. That's it. I also like the one word reviews where it says awesome. And then it has one star. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just someone trolling you <laughs> but, yeah about that it's it's also great when you get like tasker can do a million things right and it says nothing works like the person has individually gone through everything and concluded that nothing at all works <laughs> out of all those like millions of different permutations of things that yeah. you can do none of them work none of them work yeah <laughs> did you ever have a, a like a stalker that that would um harass you like because certain feature wouldn't work and it wouldn't let you go even after you said like you said that it wouldn't be possible or something and then they call your names you never had like that i don't feel like i ever had that i definitely think i've had people where you know they leave you a bad review and then they send you an email and then you email them back and you'll be like well the thing that you're complaining about isn't something that this app does, period. Yeah. So, so like, it's not that it's broken. It's that you're looking for a different app and then they'll email you back and then they'll go and update their one-star review with a different one. Like, I've had that. <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming that you've had people follow you around the internet complaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when, when I was first signing up that that was like, it wouldn't let me go. I, I would say, okay, yeah, it doesn't work. So what can I do? I can't do anything else. But it wouldn't just like every day it would message me about it. <laughs> really annoying. <laughs> but uh, about the reviews that uh, harass you, like they call your names or something and and are really obnoxious. The, the way I like to do it, I like to treat those people extra carefully and, and, and nicely. So for example, if someone cusses at me, I say, "Oh, I'm sorry. You, you're, you're, um, you're that upset. Have I done anything to upset you? Can I help with it something?" And the the amazing thing is, many people come around and say, "Oh, sorry. I had, a, I was having a bad day. I shouldn't have done that." So I think you have nothing to win to to treat a user badly. So it wouldn't, it won't do anything good for you. Maybe you feel a bit, a little bit of revenge, but it's not. It won't do anything ultimately. So it's always best to to talk to people nicely, even if they're really gross to you. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes they will come around and, and acknowledge that they were bad people. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And there's also the added side of it, which is if they don't come around and say, you know, sorry, I had a bad day or whatever, it usually ends up that you being nice to them makes them more angry. And for some <laughs> yeah. reason, that's also like quietly also satisfying. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. So this has been a, a really really actually interesting conversation and um, where can people find you online where would you like to direct people to all that good stuff uh, mainly i'm in i'm on reddit in the tasker subreddit and um personally i'm on i'm mostly active on twitter my twitter handle is kind of hard to to say but spelling it out it's <laughs> j-o-a-o-m-g-c-d so it's my name joel and then m-g-c-d which are my initials and then i also have the uh, patreon which is Patreon slash João Apps, so J O A O Apps. Just want to tell you that, that this been a, has been a a new a situation for me. Never been never been in a podcast before, so it's really interesting to to have this these kinds of conversations. Thank you very much for that. Big thanks to today's guest, Jao Diaz. You can find him on Twitter at Jao MGCD. You can support him on Patreon at patreon.com slash Jao Apps. And you can find all his apps on his website at jowapps.com. Finally, if you like the show, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating or a review. You can do that either via Apple Podcasts or via podchaser.com. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com slash donate. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter at lowcarbrob. And if you'd like to connect with like-minded developers and other listeners, you can do so in our Slack community at coffeeencodingpod.com slash Slack. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.